Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cineflack. I'm your host, Ethan Colburn. Welcome back. Welcome to our first episode of Damien Chazelle Week. We've got uh, Whiplash and then La La Land. I, ha- I happened to res- reshuffle um, the episodes a bit, so I had a little more time to edit because uh, La La Land recording got pushed back. But, um, yeah, I I think you're going to enjoy both of these episodes a lot. Um, not only are they just, like, really fun movies like i mean Tamien chazelle just kind of launched onto the scene with such a strong one and two here but like i had some i, I had some great conversations on these so i really hope you enjoy them um first up uh we have ryan daniel who friend of mine from letterboxd uh really talented guy. He's in he's in film school so it was always it was really interesting to hear his perspective on like the screenwriting of this and like the direction and all that uh we we forgot to talk about it in the episode but we drank rusty nails on this on this show which which uh were really good and kind of the thinking there was like let's just do something that's gonna like knock your socks off like let's do like whiskey and just like the name rusty nail it just sounds like intense and gritty and that was sort of like the goal here so i was sort of thinking something along those lines uh and we settled on that drink it was quite good so i'm gonna put a recipe up on my social media if you want to check that out uh on thursday you can check out la land with sophie who you may remember from legally blonde and siegel another friend of mine so that that'll be his podcasting debut and uh, that was a really fun episode as well. And a uh, big announcement for you guys. Uh, I just launched a Patreon. So this is a this is a great way if, if you want to support the show, if you, you know, if if you if you feel that's something you can do right now, um, I'm going to be putting out a lot of bonus content on there. Uh, you'll have early access to episodes. Everyone, everyone who's a patron gets a shout out at the end of each episode. Other, other benefits range from uh, access to our train wreck of an episode, Harold and Maude, which people have been requesting because I've talked about how horrible it was on a few episodes, to Zoom calls with me about, about the movie that we'll be discussing monthly, uh, to helping me pick out a movie for the podcast. So there's a range of benefits you can do on there. I want to clarify to you guys, like, the uh, show that I'm putting out everywhere else is not changing this is just if you if you want to help out the show, I'd really really appreciate it. But uh, the show won't be changing, and I do really appreciate really appreciate everything you guys are doing to uh, support me. Uh, I've just been I've just been overwhelmed by the love I've gotten from you guys in the last uh, the last few months. So I really I do really appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, so I'll put links up for that on my social media. So if you want to learn more about that, check out my Instagram or Twitter. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. Um, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Ah, yes. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> it's so exciting to chat with you. Um, we are talking about Whiplash today. 
Uh, thank you for the suggestion. Of <laughs> course, a, of course. Such a batshit crazy movie. Um, yes. What What was your experience with with it this time around? When was the first time you saw it? So, uh, first time I saw it was um, down in North Carolina. I have an uncle down in North Carolina, and uh, so I go down to visit him every year. And the year it came out, you know, this was before I was a film buff. So, I mean, I didn't really know much about any movies except for the big blockbusters that were coming out back then. This yeah. was, you know, 2014, 2015. So he says, oh, this was a really good movie. And he's he's really one of the few people that got me into movies because most okay. of my family is not really into movies. So he went, oh, you know, there's this really great movie that came out like last year. It's called Whiplash. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really into that kind of thing. He's like, oh, it's about music and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't like jazz. Like, I don't know. He's like, believe me. <laughs> so so I watched it. And I when it, when it ended, especially after that last scene, I just look over at him and he goes, he's like nodding his head like, yeah, right. And I was like, oh, my God. So the thing is, I didn't have Letterbox back then, and it, I guess the, the greatest thing about Letterbox is that you can keep track of the movies that you really, really love, so I kind of just forgot about it. You know, like, I knew I loved it, For sure. but I didn't know how much until I rewatched it this time, and I realized I love it so much. I mean, so God, much. it's so good. Uh, it's so it good. so good. It's so good. So, uh, yeah, no, th- this was this was my first time since I saw it, like, initially, and um, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, like, I... You know, I mean, J.K. Simmons, like this movie totally oh changed his career because you just you just think about him every time. Yeah. Like you you, you 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 think about him in this movie every time you think about him now, because it's just it's so yeah, iconic. Exactly. But um, there, there's very, very few people, if anybody that could that could have pulled that off the way that he did. I think, you know, J.K. Simmons is one of those scream actors, you know, you call it the people who really just scream more than anything. And um, I think there's a lot of scream actors that could have given J.K. a run for his money, but nobody, nobody could have done it as well as him ever. Like in this movie, he is he is the the person, the one and only person that could have done it as well as he did. Honestly, how you had me thinking, like, is if if you had to recast this, could you could you? Paul Giamatti. I, I know oh, that that okay. is. I know that that's biased because I love Paul Giamatti, but I stand by the fact that he's the greatest scream actor. Oh, he's in, a great like, scream actor. After, he's he's one of the best scream actors, and he played very similar roles in in Straight Outta Compton and in Love and Mercy. He was like the, the asshole manager who's always screaming and being, you know. And I think he could have he could have worked it, but I don't think he could have done as good of a job as J.K. Simmons still. But that's no, who my recast said, yeah. would have been if I could choose. So yeah, I think I I think like J.K. Simmons, Paul Giamatti, and Philip Seymour Hoffman are in like the scream acting oh, Hall of yeah. Fame, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Pacino too. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You got to do like Al Pacino <laughs> and Sam Jackson. C- could you put Sam Jackson? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, it's hard because he screams a lot, but like, yeah, no, I don't know. He's too sweet. Good question. He's too, he's, he's he is, too much he of is, a sweetheart. You kind of see his heart through. Okay. Okay. I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked. No, Fletcher Fletcher is <laughs> Fletcher is fascinating. I mean, oh, absolutely. I I, I, I really want to get into like Fletcher as a person, but um, yes, he's yes, so yes. much more like three dimensional than I than I remember mm-hmm. as well. Um, now, yeah, I, I think something really interesting that I that I was kind of looking at during watching it this time was what Fletcher did. Some of it, how much of it was like methodical. Mm-hmm. And how much of it was almost kind of just by coincidence or by accident. It wasn't something he had planned. Like how much of this was planned ahead of time. Right. You know, obviously he knew he was going to break these kids down and see which one was going to be able to build themselves back up. That, that pretty much seemed to be his, his, um, his teaching style, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, 
to break these kids down and see who comes <laughs> see who comes back uh, the strongest. But like, there's a lot of parts in the movie that also you kind of think, you know, oh, did he mean for this to happen? Is this just, you know, obviously something like the ending was not what he was planning. You know, that kind of blew up in his face a little bit, but also to his benefit at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of think about what he was really thinking was going to happen in each scenario. And it was really interesting to kind of think about that. No, totally. Um, I, I think the one that's just not clarified um did did he take the folder i think we're to assume that he took uh, the folder i was gonna ask yeah see one of the biggest unanswered questions in the, in the movie is who took the folder and i th- i would i really want to believe that it's him but at the same time it's like how could he possibly have gotten to where he was and back in that amount of time because it's so quick it's just it's so quick like it's there and then it's gone it's a, it's a tough question. I don't know. I would love to believe that it was J.K. Simmons, but I really I really don't know. Like I would think, oh, it's just a janitor, you know. Like like he said, maybe it was a janitor. Someone just came by and grabbed it. It's hard. I don't know. I would love to say it was J.K. Simmons though, because it makes so much sense. Like I mean, it, it was a couple seconds, and he was just telling them to not leave their folders around. So that is but, true. And, and it's the kind of thing, and it's a it's the kind of thing you're learning that he can be really manipulative. I mean, I think it, it absolutely. It's, it's such a great it's such a great character introduction where you get him well it's not it's not really his introduction but it's it's the first it's the first band practice where he's like trying to find the autotune player yeah yes and he, yes and he um and he calls out this other guy for being out of tune he's like actually he wasn't out of tune you were but he didn't know any, he, he didn't know, know and that's even yeah, worse and that's just as it's bad, just as exactly. bad or something. you know yes like, yes like yes he, he he does these things that are just extremely manipulative just to fuck with his students all the time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i don't really see the motivation for anyone else to take take a folder that's true i mean it, 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 that is a good point that is a good point i think if it was someone who did it on purpose it would have had to have been fletcher it, it only makes perfect sense honestly now that i think about right. it yeah I can get behind that. I want to get behind that. I want that to be true, but I wish they had actually like revealed that in the movie. Yeah, 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 it is true. Though I mean they it it's it's interesting to leave things unrevealed cuz it 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 adds this like this like mystery it to does. his character. Like How, like what length will he go to, you know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I read that um that Jason Reitman, director mm. of like Juno and Up yes, in the yes, Air, yes. and he convinced um, Tamian Chazelle to cut a scene of Fletcher alone in his apartment because it it, really? it would have been like the only scene that you got without um, okay Miles Tur- Miles My, Andrew Neiman Miles Teller yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. without uh, Andrew right. in it so so right because he's in every scene he, he, yeah he's in every scene so yeah so you didn't you didn't want to like see Fletcher on his own, not through Andrew's eyes. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know, like right, would right, that, right. would that have added more back? Um, no, you know what? I think he was right. I think he was right to cut that. It made more, it, it would have, it would have felt out of place. Honestly, it would have felt kind pretty of. out of place. Cause it, we, we almost, you almost really don't want that backstory. You know what I mean? The only backstory we ever have about this guy is that he, you know, fucked with the kids so bad that the kid ended up, you know, hanging himself and that's like that's enough backstory to kind of tell you this guy's kind of pretty hardcore um i just think any more backstory would would give us too much sympathy for him or too much you know we don't want to really connect to this guy we're not really supposed to like we're supposed to we're supposed to like him but in a way that we love to hate him not not in a way that we're like oh i feel bad for this guy you don't want to feel bad for this guy this guy's you know breaking the main character down to practically nothing you know what i mean even though technically it works 
I really wanted to talk to you about like the two scenes to me that just change his character so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think one is um, him crying about his, about his former student, which you kind of touched on. Right. Um, Just because like, you're you're kind of learning it's for him it's 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 actually it's because he cares so much like it's it's totally messed up but it's it's because it's because he cares so much about his kids that he's like this is how i'm going to get them to succeed true so at first you like just don't know if he's like a crazy man who just likes to mess with people but it it, it seems there that he at least like cares about his students and then the other one is just him playing piano I think in that club. Cause you right. get to see like, he enjoys the music too. He, 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 he enjoys just like uncomplicated melodic jazz to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think that, that him playing the piano definitely did give you like a, Oh, you know, he's just a guy who loves music and he wants what's the best for his students. But at the same time, I think that scene is purposefully manipulative because it's supposed to make you think, yeah, this guy's not so bad. You know, maybe he's come around, you know, maybe after realizing that one of his past students, you know, took his own life, maybe that'll, that kind of gave him a reality check, made him realize maybe I should be a little nicer. And then he goes and does the most horrid thing you could imagine in the movie, basically. Um, so it's, it's, and so it's almost like any more of that backstory, probably. And, and the, what was the other scene? The first scene that you mentioned was, um, I'm him crying at the suicide. Cry- yeah. So the other question that I would raise with that scene is, is why did he tell his students that it was a car accident? Yeah. Yeah. Because. Wait, so was it a suicide? Do we know it, it was a suicide? Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 um, they said when, what was it? When the, when Andrew was having the meeting with the girl and his dad and the girl was like, you know, we're trying to get this guy put away because, or at least, oh, out right, of the, right. yeah, yeah. you know, they, they revealed mm-hmm. that he didn't get into a car accident. He killed himself. So then the question is why would Fletcher lie about it just to kind of make his students not worry? Or is it because he's trying to kind of make himself look a little better? Not cause you know, you could pretty easily put the blame on him. You know, if, if you find out that it's that instead of a car accident. So it's almost like, is he trying to save himself or does he really actually feel really bad for this kid? Which I, I believe he does. I believe, honestly, maybe not his bad students, but his good students who are successful. I think he definitely cares about. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you could look at it both ways. And per- me personally, I think when I saw him crying, it, I actually watched it twice this month. I've seen it twice in the past mm. few weeks. So the first time I rewatched it, I thought to myself, oh, you know, he really, you know, this is a really sad moment. He really cares about the student that he lost. And then the second time I was like, I don't know if that's genuine. It kind of, it feels a little phony. It feels like he's crying to make it sound like, you know, oh yeah, I have this side to me where I really care. And you know, it's, but he, why would he lie about the cause of death then? It feels, it feels like there's a reason behind it. You know what I mean? And I'm not entirely sure I've unlocked it yet, but, but there's something there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's really interesting that you say that. I mean, you know, I think, I think you learn in, let's call it like the penultimate scene where, where Andrew walks into the jazz club chats with them. He's like, they seem like they're finally on a yeah. good level. Yeah. You know, like you learn in that scene, like, well, I, 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 I guess you learn, you, you, you learn in the final scene that you can't really trust anything he's done. That's, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I sort of feel like he, if if it wasn't a genuine moment, he wouldn't really have to bring it up to his class. 
That's true. Like, that's that's if another. If we're talking about like the crying moment. That's another good point. Because it's it's not, it's not as if they were. It's not as if this guy was like in their class. He was a former student of his. That's, yeah. And, and and then the other thing is when when Andrew walks into his office, he seems genuinely upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that was supposedly after he got the phone call, right? He got the yes, phone yes, call, yes, 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 left yes. the room. Um, Andrew wants the part. Uh, walks in his office and he's like, "Not, not now!" Like fucking earn the part. But he he seems genuinely kind of broken up over it. There's there's one quote as well towards that scene that you mentioned where um you know Fletcher's playing the piano and Andrew goes in. They have a conversation. Yeah. At the end of that scene, uh, Fletcher says, "You know, all I was all I was trying to do was to get the best out of my students." And he said, "I will never apologize for how I tried." That yeah. that was definitely genuine. I, I I guarantee that he he wants genuinely to his to, for his students to become the best that they possibly can and I, I genuinely think he wants to get the best out of his students it's the students that i think kind of you know the students that that fuck him over the students that he has a problem with are the students that he wants to break down not to have them build themselves back up but to break down so that they stay down you know what i mean yeah no i mean it's just it's it's so it's so crazy to me like you, you know i mean you and i have both seen this movie a couple times mm-hmm. and i mean you a couple times recently you can you can like he's such a mysterious character that like you can look at any of his actions any two ways you know exactly you can, yeah you, you can i think my interpretation of him is that he really cares and he will do whatever it takes to make his students succeed but at the same time like is he taking pleasure in just like abusing these students? You just don't. Right. You just don't know. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. I think. I think I agree that he mostly, mostly, he just wants his kids to be the best that they can. Mostly. Does yeah. he take it to heights that are a little too much? Yes, but I genuinely think he does just want the best out of his students. I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about Fletcher for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> Do you want to get into? No, I mean we'll get back into Fletcher right, for right, sure. Right. Do you want to get um? Just give like a brief like plot summary, so just refresh oh, people's yeah, memories. Okay, of seen all right. So <laughs> people are confused <laughs> after at this we've, point. After we've yeah. after we've gone through every single plot point, <laughs> literally. All right. So it's oh, about uh, it's about this this jazz drummer student um, who wants to be the best that he can, and he meets Fletcher, who is um, the the. I guess what you call it, the main instructor of the um, jazz yeah, band. Yeah, seems like the main instructor. And basically, they just have this relationship where you know Fletcher's verbally abusing Aaron Andrew to be the best that he can, and, and Andrew is trying to be the best that he can, but is constantly you know in this struggle to with the other drummers that uh, you know to be the first. Right. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of struggles going on in this movie, but they're all fun. <laughs> they're all fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And and I think what you get here is like it's it's an extremely basic pre- premise. Like there's there's yeah. no, there's really nothing that exceptional about a premise. If Absolutely. someone if someone pitched me, if I was an executive and someone pitched me a movie about like, oh, student goes goes too crazy getting into their art, it'd be like, okay, like but you know, what's yeah. that going to look yes. like? You know, like yes. It's it's a basic premise pre- premise that's elevated by I'd say one like all-time performance and a really good performance and then just yeah. like amazing directing yeah like yeah. exceptional directing but it's Absolutely. it's really like it's jk simmons and damien chazelle just like balls to the wall the whole hour and 46 or whatever it is 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think another thing also uh, um, outside of the direction is just the music in general is it plays mm-hmm. such an important part. I just watched um, Amadeus recently and both this and Amadeus, what they have in common is that like the, the, the music and the sound is just as important as the visuals are while still not entirely being like a musical musical, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a musical, totally. but it's not like a musical, you know? So, um, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I honestly, the more that I watch them, I really love movies that use music, like as a plot point, as like a major event, like as just as important as what you're seeing is what you're hearing. I love that. I think that's such a stylistic and a really smart way to go about it. Um, and I, and it, it, they use it. It was so well used, so well used in this movie. Incredible. Totally. And I think the other, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting that you bring up Amadeus because I think the other thing that these movies have in common is just, uh, like making you appreciate like an art form that most people aren't accustomed to on a yeah. daily basis. That's a good like, point. I think, I think Amadeus, I mean, like, I think the thing that it does well is, uh, it really shows you like how exceptional these Mozart pieces yeah, are these yeah. the, 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 these pieces that you hear all the time that you're sort of mm-hmm. like you know oh like it goes like that like yeah, and you just like, kind of brush it it's off easy, it's know, easy to dismiss it as right, elevator it music times right right exactly and I think the same thing can be true with jazz here where it's just like all of a sudden like I I feel like if I listen to like a Coltrane album right after this I'll just I'll be picking up on more stuff yeah and I think this movie is kind of unique in the way that it doesn't have it doesn't have the moment where they're just like, listen to how genius this is. Like they're, they're, yes, they're explaining yeah. it to you. This movie, like, unlike, unlike, um, I think La, La Land has a scene where he's explaining jazz to Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, Amadeus has multiple scenes where Salieri is getting to how, how yeah. genius Mozart. Th- this, this never has that moment where it's like this, mu- this music is genius. You just know it by hearing it, by that hearing how complicated true. it is. You know? That is true. It kind of just has you piece everything together, and it was surprisingly accessible. Because I remember when I watched it, when you know, before I was into movies, um, I was just, I, I was like, this jazz music, wow, like, oh my god, I never cared about jazz music before this movie ever. And you know, I still yeah. don't really listen to it after, but in the moment, you're like, I love it. nothing more than jazz. <laughs> Watching this movie, jazz is this is the only thing I care about, especially during that last scene. But like, it, it's it's amazing how it how uh, and it. And in the same way that in La La Land, they, as well as Amadeus, they kind of explain the music as they go. You know, this is this, this is this. And Whiplash doesn't explain it. You're right. Literally does not explain a single thing. It just lets it just rides it just out. And you it's amazing. It. It's great. It throws you right into it. And, and I think that also <laughs> helps with A, the pacing and B, the length of the movie, because it's only an hour 45, I think. It's a pretty short and movie it, and for everything it packs in there. So it feels it feels it feels shorter it feels than that. Very short. Yeah. It feels very short. Like, Absolutely. like it feels like an hour. It, it really does. <laughs> the pacing is incredible, especially for a short movie that it already is. Speaking of the pacing, the one, the one thing I, I just, I noticed this time is, I mean, I mean, people talk about how the end, um, how, how, you know, it, it climaxes until directed by Damien Chazelle. You know what yes, I mean? Like yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's building until, that final shot. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I, I think that, I think the same is true for the p- beginning where it just, it throws you right into him practicing. You get to hear the drum beat that just like slowly speeding up mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. And, and then, and then Fletcher walks in. It's their first meeting. You're, you're just like, 
you're thrown into this jazz school before you get any like, oh, dad, I don't know if I want to do music. And dad's like, oh, son, you're going to do great. Like, like, let's drop. Like, I think a left. I, I, I think a lesser director would have had like parents drop their kids off at college for the first time. And then exactly. They got rid of all of that fluff. No fluff. Really no fluff. Yeah, exactly. No fluff at all. Basically, when I'm writing, if I'm ever writing a screenplay, I use um, a very simple tactic that I notice a lot of movies use, and this one did as well, and it helps with pacing. And it's starting your movie on your main character doing what they do. If you start on your main character doing what they do, then you already immediately understand kind of what the movie is going to be about. You know what I mean? What is what is um, Andrew do? He plays the drums. You immediately start on him playing the drums and then have Fletcher immediately walk in being like, I'm going to judge you and see if you're good enough. So clearly you have that dynamic, like like it within the first what is that two minutes in, you have the dy- the power dynamic between the only really two important uh, characters in the movie, right? And you're you're two minutes in, like you know you pretty much know exactly what the rest of the movie is gonna be, right there, and and it does not it does not fail you. It, it is the mo- it is so impressive, and it's more than you could ever think just in those first two minutes. But the point is that you know exactly what you're in for. I think that's a really good point. I've never really thought about it that way, um, but I guess I I. I, I guess that's a really good way to like throw you into a movie, especially if it has to do with like a character's passion for something, you know, so mm. much like this is, I mean, I, I, I mean like the movie that this is compared to a lot, I think, I think there was a YouTube video, maybe it was lessons from a screenplay, but like okay. there was a YouTube video comparing this and black Swan that really oh, gets into, okay. I, can I see mean, that. these have really similar plot structures of just yeah. like, someone gets way too into their art and you have a crazy teacher and you know, they're kind of going and the ending is like all in for their art and everything. Yeah. That's a good, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about those two. So also one thing I wanted to bring up about, about the ending, which I thought was really interesting is that, yeah, you know, when, when you always talk about a good ending in a movie, most people talk about good endings in movies. They talk about like the craziest twist ever in a movie and you know, like the biggest, you know, wow moment. And uh, I had a lot, unfortunately, when I was a kid, like I said, I wasn't into movies. I watched a lot of those Watch Mojo videos. Watch Mojo, best endings of movies. And I was like, oh, great, okay. Like, I'll never watch these movies anyway. So my ass got, got all these movies spoiled for me. I got The Sixth Sense oh was spoiled. God. Fight Club was spoiled. Shutter Island was spoiled. So I knew, you know, but this is a movie where even if you know what the ending is and someone could tell you the entire movie, you still, you are still going to be blown away by the ending. Even if you totally. know exactly what's going to happen. And that's that's how that's that's how you know you have good filmmaking right there because if you know an ending and then you see the ending and it's like uh, you're like nah, I I knew that was gonna happen then it's like the twist is too important maybe if if it kind of ruins the movie you know what I mean um, but this is an ending where it just no matter what it's perfect and I love that about it so much I think that's a great point and and first of all like Watch Mojo is still a guilty pleasure for me like I I hate watch those all the time like I I get like I get like so frustrated with them they're like yeah like but first subscribe on watchmojo.com and let's let's give you your honorable mentions and you're just like oh it's like list of 10 things I can do this for 10 minutes okay anyways but I think the thing that we're dancing around like this whole podcast up until now is just like how kind of fresh and young and vibrant and exciting like damien chazelle's directing feels mm, yeah like just i mean just like like i think so much about that first hand rehearsal where all of a sudden you know all these guys come in and it's sort of chaotic and he's like bouncing all of the room he's like these fast cuts of them picking up their like picking up their instruments licking the reeds all this stuff it's 
it's a pretty it's a pretty it's a pretty basic montage but just the way he just like throws that in there yeah. i like also saw this packed back with la la land because i'm doing a la la land podcast as well mm-hmm. and it's so different from the way he directs la la land where he he does yeah. so many long takes in that yeah this is so much about the fast cutting mm-hmm. like close-ups and everything it's yeah see it's i think crazy. because uh, and that actually i'm just thinking about this now but i think it makes sense because whiplash you don't want to meander there's no reason mm-hmm. to meander in Whiplash, yeah. especially because it fits. Like I said, the music is kind of like a plot point. It fits the music. It's very fast paced. It's like really, you know, it rolls off the tongue, rolls off the drum. It's quick. It's very quick. Um, La La Land, on the other hand, you kind of want to meander a little bit because there's nice dancing, very flowy colors. <laughs> you know, everything's really yeah. beautiful. So it makes sense to meander a little bit. Um, I personally, I, I prefer the direction in Whiplash a little more um, yeah. just because I think there's more direction to be had. Maybe not choreography wise, but like there's more attention to to you know attention to detail in the way of like all the cutting is so precise and all of the um, blocking and you know everywhere everybody is and where they're placed everything is so meticulously done in Whiplash, but it's mm-hmm. also so quickly done you practically blink and you'll miss it. You know what I mean? Totally. And yeah. I think La La Land and, and Whiplash are both perfectly directed for the movies that they are. I just prefer Whiplash a little bit more. Not by much, though. They're both incredible. Even, even honestly, even First Man is directed in a way where it meanders in the perfect areas. Uh, I don't know if you've even seen First Man. No, but I, like, have. It's, I have. Okay, good. Yeah, it's completely different than Whiplash and La La Land, but it's still directed like exactly how that movie needs to be directed, which I think is, I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't call myself like a Damien Chazelle fan necessarily, but I think the dude is a hell of a director. I mean, he really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you bring up a good point with First Man too, because that's that's honestly really underrated at this point. No one's talk, no, no one talks about that movie. I was so and... surprised when that movie got no buzz. It, I mean, I saw it in IMAX yeah. and I was like blown. I mean, granted, it's a good movie, but like, it's still it was still amazingly done. You know, it it was amazingly done. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it's it's odd that this guy's you know this guy's churned out. Like two iconic movies, another great movie. Let's let's put yeah. it that way. Mm-hmm. And yet, I I don't I don't think he has a distinct visual style. I think all we know about him is that yeah. he loves Ryan Gosling and jazz, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, pretty much. But who does it? It's yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting you bring that up because there really is like like I said, it's like his style de- depends on what he's what he's making. Right. You know, he still has these these you know little bit of style that carries over in each movie, um, especially when it comes to like the last film of or the last shot of his movies are all very similar, and mm. the, the types of shots he uses are very similar. That's the kind of you know style we've seen from him. But you know, color wise, all three of those movies are completely different color wise. All three yeah, of the those cinematography, movies, yeah, completely. yeah, cinematography completely different. All three of them, mm-hmm. and even the sound design. Now, I know he definitely pays close attention to his sound design. But First Man's sound design is a completely different thing. I, I know – not really spoilers, but maybe a little bit. In First Man, when he steps out of the um, – Neil Armstrong makes it to the moon, guys. Wait, uh, anyway, yeah. when, <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> when he gets to the moon and he steps out and it goes completely silent, like you hear the suction noise and then you hear complete silence – it, it, like honestly, one of, the gr- one of the greatest things that has ever been done with sound in film and – Mm, it's mm-hmm. completely different than anything in his other, in his other movies. I mean, yeah. it's honestly, it's crazy. And he's got a new movie coming out. Uh, Babylon. This year or next year, I think. Yeah, that's Babylon, yeah. 
And uh, I'm interested to see how he's going to be directing this one because I honestly don't really know. I mean, I mean, I'm excited for it regardless, but it, it's like you know what his you know a little bit of his style, but his style is so different depending on each movie. So I'm very interested. To yeah, see what his totally. Next one's be like, yeah, I, I, I mean, like I think you bring up a good point about like the last shots too, because I, I also noticed that there's this there's this pan back and forth that he's done in both La, La Land and Whiplash as well. Uh, it's yes, the same, yes, yes. It's the scene, the scene where the scene where Emma Stone's dancing with Ryan Gosling playing piano. It's the same, like he mm-hmm. he pans up, pans back, pans up, pans back. It's like this pan back and forth. It's the same thing he does, like during the final scene, I think with, it's with during, Miles yeah during and, the final scene with Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's the same thing he does there. He does he so so it's almost like he knows because they're so different. He like he's like no yeah. no I'm the same guy. Trust me, like I can still do. It. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's. It's really exceptional the way he like. It seems like he kind of transforms into the source material, transforms into his mm-hmm. like like what he needs to do for the script. But yes, I mean, yes. Even if you look at well, well, I mean the other, the other movie that we were considering doing, which we'll probably do at one point, is No Country for Old Men. I mean, like the oh, Coen Brothers, yes. <laughs> they also cross genres so much. Oh my God! Yeah, the Coen Brothers have done everything except for maybe horror, but like every pretty yeah. much everything. Totally, totally. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I think the thing about them, it could be because we have a longer track record with them. We have, like, you know, it's true. 20, we got like 20, eight, almost 20, 20 movies, movies yeah. instead of three. Mm-hmm. But with them, like, I still feel like they cross genre. They can do any genre, but there's still, like, there's things that pop up that you're like, that's Coen Brothers. Like, yes. You, you know, yeah. and they have, like, a weird secretary. That just like won't let him pass. You know, there's just there's little there's little there's those little things that are always in there. Yeah, always there. And and Damien Chazelle, I just it could be that I'm not recognizing them because we don't have enough time with them. But it just feels like he's so all over the place. Yeah, I think it has to do with a. I think he wants his individual projects to stand out among themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, B, I just think there's only you know, there's only three movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like once exactly. we get more movies, I think we'll really. I think that whip thing we're gonna see in, in uh, plenty more Damien Chazelle movies. Awesome! Hopefully, I'm looking anyway. forward. To I it. love that shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, like I don't know. I think once once we get to like five six movies, I think then we're really gonna start to see like how Damien Chazelle is gonna like in his. I want to in his prime. I mean, <laughs> where is his prime? Because he started out pretty strong, but like when totally. he's hopefully in his yeah. prime, continuing where he is now. It'd be interesting to see what he keeps from these three movies that he's made and what he kind of retires or, you know, decides not to continue with. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, we haven't we haven't yet talked about Andrew. Like, OK, do you want to yeah, talk yeah. about do you want to talk about Andrew's character? Or like, so do you so here's the get thing about Andrew's it? character that I've kind of realized, like through each watch, like, you know, I like him, but at the same time kind of an asshole like you know what i mean like he gets so obsessed in the music that it's just like he breaks up with his girlfriend for an absolutely no fucking reason and he starts being like he just, he just gets he gets so obsessed to the point where you're kind of just like man what like what else is this guy gonna do to just get this party he, he got into like a huge car accident and still kept going like it's like man where is the line for this guy like you know, and and we we love a guy who's determined. You know, obviously, I love that <laughs> shit. We got into a car accident, and just kept going. I was like, yeah, get there, yeah, yeah, play that solo, yeah. But um, but like after a while, it's like, dude, like God, I don't know. It's like there's just like he, there is no length he will go to, and um, it, I I wanted to bring up the girlfriend character as well because yeah, I for found sure. the girlfriend uh-huh. character was really interesting because 
she's not a main character. She's really not that important, but at the same time, she's like the main thing that's telling the audience that this guy will will pretty much get rid of anything in his way. Yeah, because you know I mean? she's gorgeous and she's adorable it, and she cares exact, about him exactly. And she and he's yeah. like on like when he broke up with her at that at that diner, he barely even batted an eye. He it's like he didn't even give a shit. He was like, yeah, yeah, you can leave now. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna drum and she's like all torn apart and she's upset and everything. And um, I I thought I thought that was just so well done that you can bring in, like you almost. They have one interaction. Their first interaction is at the you know movie theater where clearly you get this sense that they've seen each other around forever. Like maybe they've mm-hmm. even known each other for years, but they haven't really talked to each other. So when totally. they finally talk to each other, you're like, he's doing it. He's finally doing it. Like he's he's going there. And then when he breaks <laughs> up with her, you're up. like, what the fuck are you doing? You finally got her. Like what are you – and then when he calls her back and she goes – Oh, I have to check with my boyfriend. I was like, "Oh, you blew it, you motherfucker!" Like, oh my god, it was right there. Oh my god, you had it, but, dude. But you had it. No, but it was. I, I I really loved that they did that because it was such like a like oh my god like Andrew bro no like you can't. So obviously there were things I disagreed with, but I I I think character wise, really great character, really great character. I honestly totally. Um. Really interesting. Especially when you put him in with Fletcher. I think their dynamic is just incredible. They, they play off of each other, like, perfectly. It's interesting that you want him to succeed even though he sucks so much. Like, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, really, yeah. he's really not yeah. a great guy. I mean, exactly, it, it, could be, yes. it could be, like, the orchestra player in me, but, um, like, he's, he's, he'd be a horrible bandmate. My God. Like, he does not, yeah. he doesn't care at all about the other he musicians. He doesn't care about, drummers, like, keeping, yeah. yeah, he doesn't care about keeping in time or any, like, like, Mm-hmm. He, 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 like, if someone, if someone, like, started doing a five minute drum solo, five minute unscripted drum solo on stage, I think I'd, like, fucking walk off yeah, stage. Exactly. I think I'd be so pissed. It's, he was, he was almost, you know, I don't want to, this is a strong word, but he was pretty selfish. So, like, everything he did was yeah. really the, for the benefit of him, not the band, you know, not for really anybody else, but was completely for his benefit. So it's, it's almost like you don't, like, he's kind of a dick, but, like, I, you want to root for him anyway because he's up against this, this, like, almost near caricature of an asshole yeah totally in his teacher so you're just like man like you just want to see this teacher get put in his place but you're like you know this neiman guy is kind of just like mm, you know it's, it's gonna go one way or the other it's either all this guy or all this guy because they don't want to totally. give each other an inch you know what i mean and i loved it i love that about it um so yeah it's I, I actually think it was probably better to make him a little bit more of like a questionable morality wise um as opposed to someone who's just like super lovable, because if he was someone who was super lovable, then that makes this movie almost like a little too depressing, you know, because if he's just a mm-hmm. nice kid who's going through this shit, you're like, Oh, like, why, why the nice kid? Like he just wants to play, but you know, you give this kid a little bit of a side where he's like a little rough and it's like, okay, well, he could pick himself back up. He's not, you know, he, he, he can keep going. He's got this drive to him. That's totally unlike anything, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I totally agree. I think I, I, I think minor nitpick though. I mean, he's okay. I think he's he's constantly being compared to Charlie Parker, comparing himself to Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Parker is like a great band musician. Like, he might not have been a great guy, but like he, he knew when to hang back on the drums. He knew when to have his drum solo. Andrew seems to be all about like how how can I showcase my drumming here so yeah. i mean i think e- even though fletch is so focused on <laughs> making him great it doesn't it doesn't seem like 
what they're doing is actually going to make him great. And I think, mm-hmm. like, I think Damien Chazelle has said in interviews before, I think it was like his screen crush interview or something that the ending is sort of assuming that he's achieved Charlie Parker level success right, where, right. where he's going to die young and get all into his drumming and all obsessive and stuff. Have you have any thoughts on that? Oh, interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. That makes sense. But I had thought about something similar is like, mm-hmm. you don't really hear like Andrew doesn't really prove himself to the audience either until that end scene. Like, you know, he's yeah. a good drummer and everything, but like throughout the, throughout the the movie, he's really only just as good as the other two alternates. He doesn't really show much except for that one where he, you know, he gets the audition over the other two guys by going faster than them. But other than that, like you never really, you never really see him actually like impress anybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's never actually, totally. you know, raising any eyebrows until that last scene. So actually, now that you bring that up, it makes a lot of sense because it gives him almost like this. Um, basically, it gives him like an enigmatic feel because because yeah. like he went from not really raising any eyebrows to to like this legendary status at the last when he's playing. Uh, you know, because like he he makes mistakes throughout the entire movie and it's pretty obvious that end scene he doesn't make a single mistake he doesn't miss a beat he doesn't you know it it actually in being i guess technically selfish and playing the drums for himself makes the performance 10 times better than it would have been anyway so charlie parker right there makes sense you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. um another thing that i thought interesting they also brought up buddy rich a lot right yeah totally. the reason they brought up buddy rich i found out was because buddy rich was uh, incredibly verbally abusive to his bandmates. So Ooh, they were kind of okay. trying to like compare him with um, with Fletcher a little bit, and then I guess um, Parker, Charlie Parker, with with Andrew, maybe like a little bit of a double, yeah double comparison. Yeah, super there. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I noticed with Charlie Parker as well is he tells the story about how he was given the name Bird after someone threw like a symbol at his head, right? Yes. So that was like how he got the nickname Bird. Also in La La Land, they they mentioned that uh, Charlie Parker was nicknamed Bird because he liked chicken on a stick, which is why Sebastian wants to name his restaurant Chicken on a Stick. The truth is neither of these are correct. (laughs) Really? The reason reason, um, Charlie Parker uh, is nicknamed Yardbird, which became Bird, is because... um, his tour bus hit a chicken and like he felt so bad for the chicken that like he brought the chicken in and like tried to no 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 it was like a dead bird like he 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 um oh. I might have to like pull up this <laughs> oh wait, here it is <laughs> okay I got this all wrong let me just <laughs> I'm gonna go through this again okay so okay. when a chicken was run over and killed by the tour bus Parker stopped the bus picked up the dead bird and proceeded to pluck and cook the chicken for dinner eventually Yardbird Whoa. was short of the bird. It's a little frightening, but uh, so, he killed. He ate his roadkill. Interesting. Wow. I I love this. I love this recurring joke of like why Charlie Parker is nicknamed Bird. That I'm assuming they dropped that for First Man, but uh, I, I I probably I wasn't really looking for it. So yeah, no, I wasn't looking for it either. That's funny. <laughs> I was looking for Charlie Parker references, but I think I think it's interesting because it it says like apparently the symbol story is kind of it, it's 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 kind of not that true e- either because. The person who threw a symbol like threw it into the corner. He didn't throw it as tra- Charlie Parker's head. I think what it says is that it's it's more a reflection on Fletcher that either he's making this up or he he believes that it's true and believes that that's the way to that's the way to encourage people. But it says a lot about Fletcher's character that he keeps telling the story. Is where I'm going with this. 
That is a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does, he brings it up like, I think three or four maybe even times. Yeah, he brings it up constantly throughout the movie. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's kind of just like a justification as well. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I do a chair at your head, but like, Charlie Parker had a symbol thrown at his head. Like, first of all. Yeah, totally. A cha- we had, wait, 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 wait. You think a chair is worse than a symbol? Because a symbol's sharp, <laughs> but a chair is heavy. Good point. It depends the which way you throw the symbol. I think if you throw a symbol like a frisbee, I think that's worse. Yes. I think if you yes, throw okay, a symbol like, like you throw it like you know, like you'd throw a football almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you can throw. A, never mind. If you, if you, don't, <laughs> if you throw a like symbol, push it any forward. Other, <laughs> like Captain symbol, America's shield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Fletcher. I'm I'm all here for that, for that movie. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I don't know what's worse. I mean, clearly I think, I think Fletcher is more like more abusive than the people he looks up oh, to yeah. for being abusive. Absolutely. Um, do you see this as like an allegory for like an abusive relationship? I mean, the fact that like, Ooh. the fact that like Andrew keeps coming back. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way because I guess, you know, Andrew keeps coming back because of, um, his obsession to be the best. Right. And, you know, I guess you could attribute that to someone coming back in a, but yeah, you know what, actually I hadn't really thought about it that way. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, technically what they had was an abusive relationship, just not it was you know, romantic. It was, it just was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, oof, I can, I can totally see that. I think the other kind of, kind of clickbaity question I wanted to ask you was, was who, 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 who wins in the end? Yeah. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And then this went through my mind with the first time I watched it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get to that end scene, um, Andrew messes up. They both lose. Andrew does well. They they both win. You know, he made it a point and saying, you know, if you do well out there, you know, there's there's some people out there who are looking for good musicians. You know, if you do bad, they never forget. And he made that a point. And it's like, okay. So technically, I guess if if the if the musician does bad – it looks worse on the musician than the um, conductor or yeah. Is that the right word? That is the right word, right? Yeah, okay. I think so. Let's just, uh, and let's then, just go with it. And then if you are, um, if you do, if you do well, I think it's kind of even in a way, but the, but the way that Andrew played that solo, I feel like it definitely looks better on him because he kind of, he, he's the one who almost conducted the entire band and during his solo. You know what right. I mean? He's the one who he's the one who cued in the the bass player. He's the one who or the whatever that is, bassoon. I don't know what it's called. It's, uh, the, a, it's a bass. It's a double thing. bass. Yeah, it's a bass. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> you got yeah. It. he uh, he um you know he he uh, cued that guy in, and then he did the same to Fletcher later on as well. So I would imagine if they were aware of that, they'd be like, wow, that's some that's some crazy talent. Honestly, being able to drum and still being able to you know basically conduct the whole band on your own. Um, I, I think I think Andrew comes out a little bit on top more so, um, but not by much. Not by yeah, much. because I, I feel think, like they both get praise for it. So yeah, and I think ultimately, like Fletcher, Fletcher wants a prodigy, and like I guess I guess what you're meant right. to assume from the last scene is that he found his prodigy. Like he finally, his teaching methods work. Like he he right. he found someone as as crazy as him. And again, the, the one kind of nitpick that I mentioned earlier, but want to get back to. If I was in that audience and I was a, if I was like the head of a jazz band or whatever, 
I, I don't think I'd want this drummer. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'd want him in my band. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, I, I, like I, some I totally guy just that. totally botches the first song and then he just drums for nine straight minutes until the rest <laughs> of the band comes along with him. And five minutes of that is just him. Like, I just feel like, Oh my God, I can't like, but here's the real question as well. Is, is, um, the teaching method that, proven if this is the only real successful student he's had like real successful you know what i mean like all these very other good people point. Mm-hmm. technically we never really know where they go maybe they get somewhere big but we're never actually told that the only real success story we know of is andrew so you know like is it is his teachings does his teaching style really work if it's one every 15 years one every 10 years you know or is it worth it to get that one really amazing player even if it takes 10 years to do so, you know what I mean? So I guess it depends on what he's trying to get out of his students. Does he want every one of his students to be legendary or is he just looking for that one prodigy? In which case, I guess he found him. I, I don't think that's the answer. Like personally, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's like a mix for a great movie. Um, I've had like really (laughs) tough cello teachers. I I didn't respond well to it at all, but, um, but I'm also, I think most people probably don't. So maybe that, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I kind of played the cello, but I'm not like actively playing the cello professionally. Yeah, but <laughs> so maybe that says more about me. I give so many props to anybody that can play an instrument. I just do not have the patience or the finger movement ability to be able to do that. I, I just I, I gave up so long ago trying to learn instruments. So good on you for having for still being able to play an instrument. You know what I mean? Even if well, even if you, you were taken away. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate no it. <laughs> no i mean first of all i don't think this criticism like detracts from the movie at all because i think like the end scene is still one of the best endings i i have but it just it just yeah, makes yeah. it just it just more makes me think of like what kind of musician like fletcher's teaching and andrew's determination has has created he's created this like yeah. crazy drum maniac that can right. perform for five straight minutes and like you know yeah. can do See- basically two jazz songs <laughs> that's true Which see the, the other, other thing that is true there's really only <laughs> the the you know i think a question that comes to mind is is you know did he really make andrew a better player or did he just make andrew so freaking determined that he was gonna be the best that he p- could possibly be you know what i mean because i don't think he necessarily actually did anything to make andrew a better player i just think he made andrew way way more determined which goes to show, you know, I guess it's a good message. You know, a, a huge amount of determination will get you where you want to go. Um, but of course, the, st- the steps to get there were a little different uh, for him, I guess. But it's, uh, I don't really think Fletcher even did all that much to make him a better player, to be honest. I don't really, there's nothing in the movie that would suggest that necessarily. He just kind of made him try harder than he has been pretty much yeah it's not like it's it's not like he yeah you're right because it, it's, it's not like he told him like hey you better hold your drumstick like this or you better like right you better right. like play this passage like that and then you'll really get it he's just like he's just like earn the part mm-hmm. you know so it's it's not so much about teaching him as as it is probably about just like pushing him um yeah i don't know i don't know it's it's i think what i can say about the ending is like it's almost like um, Andrew's trying to prove Fletcher wrong, and by proving him wrong, he's proving him right. Exa- it's, yeah, it's, see, his, exactly. it's this weird double standard where, like, yeah. if you if you prove him wrong, like all of a sudden 
he wins because he has this prodigy that he wanted and like right and really you see just like they're two sides of the same coin it's just it's just a brilliant ending i don't know it, it really is it's a very smart ending very smart um a couple other just random nitpicks i had uh that are really related um <clears throat> And and these are minor. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw them out to you though. Um, okay. You can't rent a car when you're 19. Yeah, you know, fuck. I thought the same thing. I was like, I can't even rent a car yet, and I'm 22. Like, come on. Like you have to wait till like <laughs> 25 to rent a car. Also, you can't walk into like a jazz bar if you're 19. I, I don't know how he's, oh, how he's like, probably, yeah. like an adult. So I don't know. That just a, just a just a couple minor fake ID, there. I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fake ID, maybe. But I'll let them slide for the sake of yeah, the movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Doesn't make much sense to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Any other kind of like random thoughts you have? A, you, you have about things? Um, there's a couple. Let me see if I can scroll through my little. Yeah, thing I've got there. a couple too, but I'll throw it back to you first. Um, oh yeah, here's something interesting. Uh-huh. So now, technically, the short film for the movie came first, right? right. And because of that. It was uh, when it was in the Oscars. It was up for adapted screenplay because they consider it to have been adapted from the short. However, mm. the feature script was written first, and the reason he made the short was because he wanted to get funding for the feature. So technically, oh, the feature was written first, but they the, the Academy considered it adapted from the short because the short came out first. Weird. Yeah. So th- really when weird. I read that, I was like, okay, so technically, it's not an adapted script or adaptation. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, taken yeah. from anything. It's yeah, it's its, its own thing. But the short fish came out first, so I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of um. Well, it's a it's a it it it's a slightly different situation, but it it reminds me of uh, what happened with um Charlie Kaufman's adaptation, where that they were they were trying to figure <laughs> out where to put that forever, right? Because it's yes, it's a uh, technically an adaptation of the Orchid Thief, but. Is like is it? <laughs> yeah, you is, know, it like, really? like, <laughs> is it really? Is it really? So they ended up putting it in in um adapted screenplay, but okay. I think I think things just default to add it to like adapted screenplay if there's no proof that they're a wholly original work. But yeah. it is it is it is odd that so many things sort of end up there. This yeah, because this is technically a completely original work. Which is which? I don't know. It's weird. It's it's very weird scenario. I mean, I guess there's certain rules and regulations, but yeah, I found that really weird. I think the other thing, the other thing that's just kind of kind of random character thing that I noticed this time. Um, mm-hmm. The first scene, the first scene with the dad, they're going to see Rififi in the at the movie theater. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. is a great French heist movie. If you haven't seen it, just gonna. I throw have not. That I have not seen. I figured oh, it was really real, fun. Though. I think it's. I think it's on the Criterion Channel, but it's a. Uh, it's Jules Dassin who is an uh, Jules Dassin because he, he he's an American who was blacklisted and then like made movies in France. But it's this it's oh, this yeah, heist yeah. it's this heist movie that he made uh, that's like slow paced, just like you're with them every step of the way as they like mm-hmm. rob this jewelry store. It's like yes. slow but like really intense. Completely separate point. Um, like the guy. Um, at one point, like they're sitting down, this guy's walking behind him in the aisle behind him, and this guy hits hits uh hits Andrew's dad in the head with a popcorn. Oh, with the popcorn. And the and- dad turns around and goes, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh I was just gosh. like, I was like, oh my god, that's that's really in contrast to like 
Fletcher's teaching style and the kind of person that Andrew wants to be. Right. And I think it's such a minor interaction. And I was so amazed by like how much that says about him. Yeah. I think that's, that's, it's a really big moment as well because it shows you how passive his dad is and how Mm -hmm. like, you know, he clearly wants to avoid any kind of confrontation. He doesn't, you know, whatever move on. Whereas Fletcher is like, he craves confrontation. Like he has to have confrontation. If there's no confrontation, is he even really there? You know, fuck. So uh, I, I thought that was a big moment too. Cause I, I noticed that first time I saw it, I wasn't really sure. I heard, uh, I'm sorry, but I wasn't sure who said it. I was like, Oh, I just yeah. brushed it off. But then the second yeah. time I was like, Oh, his dad says, I'm sorry. I was like, wow. He just got hit in the face and he's saying, I'm sorry for it. it yeah. It's a huge character. Moment. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Totally. And, 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 and like, I think this whole movie is kind of, kind of contrasts, in some ways, like his dad with Fletcher, like you get to see, you get to see, um, his dad just be like, look, just, you know, just like come home. It's okay. You don't need to like pee in jazz. Like, I believe in you. Let's get you an apartment. Let's get you set up. Let's get you like a job, you know, but, yeah. but his, his dad's very like, let's get by. And, uh, God, I, I also like, hate andrew so much in that dinner table scene where he's just like oh my I don't god need friends like oh f- oh fuck you play football bro like yeah he was like he was like oh division three you're like dude like oh my let people have their accomplishments dude. bro like oh my god uh oh like my god. i get you, you know his i guess that was supposed to be his uncle and his aunt or whatever something and, or family friends like do they family, i don't think something. they ever actually said so you yeah. know but they're talking about how you know how great the football and uh, you know as someone who kind of is a part of the arts I get it. You know, a lot of people and dads are really more like sports and hands-on stuff, you know, football and shit. And so when your kid's making music, it's not really as exciting. It's not really, you know, because you don't really understand it. So I get yeah. the frustration, but it was also, it was also the, you know, you're kind of like, oh, Andrew, like, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, oh, like, ugh, I don't want to hear that. Like, I want to like you. This is making me, ugh. He just yeah, seems so, much so disconnected in that, in that, in that uh, scene. You know? Yeah, I mean, so much of this movie is just you wanting to like him, and him just like letting you down. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That 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 scene was just brutal. But yeah, I just it's um, his 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 dad is an interesting character in that way. Are, I I guess there's kind of I mean, okay, so it's him and it's him and Fletcher the whole time. I would almost say everyone else at the school is sort of a prop for him and Fletcher's relationship. Would you agree with pretty, that? Pretty much. Yeah. Especially. Especially like the doofy drummer that they bring in just to piss him off. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, he's more bark than bike. Don't worry about him, bro. It's like, I got you. We're buds. And he's like, no, fucking. <laughs> it's so funny. That's yes. like the only kind of like, like him and then some of like Fletcher's yelling are like the only kind of darkly comedic things about this movie. Yeah, the whole the whole scene where Fletcher's just yelling at at Neiman, like like it's. It's it's really dramatic, but some of the shit he says, it, you have to chuckle because it's hilarious. But at the same time, this kid is getting berated, like berated by his teacher. Um, Fletcher is like darkly comedic most of the time, I'd say. Yes, like him just going yeah. like, "Get the fuck away from me, mini me!" Just like, <laughs> just like you know, I, I I I I read that the original line was. Um, I, I'm going to gut you like a fucking pig, and he and, and he accidentally said, "I'm going to fuck you like a pig." Yeah, yeah. Wait, so so this was interesting. I read this too. So apparently, in in the short film, 
this the line was i'm gonna gut you like a fucking pig and by accident jk simmons goes i'm gonna fuck you like a pig and then and then damien chazelle for the feature was like do it again say fuck you like a pig and he's like no i'm not gonna say that so damien chazelle just used the audio from the short film and moved it into the, the feature so that oh. it said i'm gonna fuck you like a pig. that's awesome because jk simmons wouldn't say it that's so funny how, how did he get jk simmons for like a short film by the way that's pretty that's I... a pretty impressive get don't know i know it was it was jk simmons and it wasn't miles teller it was somebody yeah it was someone else so so it was between the two and the reason that miles teller got it was because a miles teller was an actual drummer Mm -hmm. and uh there was a second reason as well but yeah it's i I actually have you seen the short film because i didn't even i haven't watched it now i haven't checked it out yeah i haven't checked it out either i think i think okay so my impression like because i was always vaguely aware of jk simmons but mainly from his farmers commercials you know yeah which is which is i I mean i love the man now but i mean like the farmers yeah i i also knew him mostly from the uh this the original spider-man trilogy right right, right. yeah 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 but that's kind of that i mean i I think i think at the time i I think at the time he was kind of down and out as an actor i think i'm gonna whiplash was definitely his like whiplash was a big resurgence that was a huge resurgence yeah for sure it's hard for me to say because i was like during his resurgence, I wasn't really into films, and even before his his resurgence, I wasn't into films. So I don't really know how popular he was, but I I know he was not as popular until Whiplash came out. He became really popular after that. He had a minor part in the the um the Ashton Kutcher Steve Jobs movie. Yeah, really. Of, <laughs> a lot of voice acting. He was really. I mean, he he appeared in a couple shorts this like in 2013. Okay. Uh more like a a like guest spot on a tv show called family tools family um tools. Okay. with leah remini no i mean it's it's not rel- I, you wouldn't know it I, that, that's the point <laughs> right, 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 right 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 so so yeah i mean up in the air mm-hmm. which actually he, he he was in really briefly in juno like like he he was really kind of not doing much around here yeah. So I think I think that's probably why they got him for the short, and then and then obviously after Whiplash, like he really won all the Oscars that year. It was oh, it was yeah. well, he well, won all the, much, all the he, Oscars, yeah. all the awards. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, he was yeah. he literally was up for like all of them, and he just swept. He was he just swept, which is kind of a bummer because Ethan Hawke and Boyhood, I think. Kind yeah, of deser- but you just Ethan Hawke was really good in Boyhood. But like any it's, any other no any other year, I think he he would have he would have served stood a great chance. But you just you can't when you have this. Yeah, it's an iconic exactly. performance. Absolutely, one of the best supporting actor performances in in recent memory for sure. He's 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 still not been doing a lot. I should try to get him on the podcast. Yeah, you know, might as well no worth way. a shot. You never know. You should try to get Paul Giamatti on the podcast. Ooh, I'm trying. If, I'm, if trying I get to, Paul I'm trying to cast him in a short film. Oh, if I get Paul Giamatti, I'll let you on that podcast. Oh God, please! Uh, Deal. He's, he lives in Brooklyn, actually. He's nice oh, and close cool. to me, so I, I, yeah, that's why I wanted to try and film with him. But just, that's just walk topic. around, just walk around Brooklyn for yeah, a while. Yeah, see, it just, you'll... just like, oh, is he coming out of his house? Yeah, no, okay, I'll pass by again <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find him eventually. <laughs> oh man, um, I mean, I, th- I think, I think I'm through my notes. It's just, it's a crazy fucking movie. Is there anything else you want to oh, kind of touch on here? Um, no, I just got a couple quotes. Uh, yeah, go for it. that's all I really got. Oh, you okay? All right, here, let me get into my J.K. Simmons voice. <clears throat> oh, my dear God, are you one of those single tier people? Do I look like a fucking double rainbow to you? That's my favorite. 
Do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? I love that. Oh my god. Which is a reference to the double rainbow guy, which was yes. a probably a bigger deal in 2014 than it was today. I don't know if people oh, remember yeah. the when double did, rainbow. When did guy. that video come out? I love it. Double rainbow all the way across the sky. <laughs> so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> I love uh, I, I, I love the idea of Fletcher, like the character Fletcher watching the double rainbow video. I just love the image that that puts in your mind, just, you know? Just him laughing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this thing, like, I will use eyes. this one day. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those fucking single tier people. Uh, you know? uh, I hate those fucking single tier people. It's just a double rainbow. <laughs> I oh love that. Uh, no, I have no idea when that came out, but that was that was a that was an iconic part of like you know like mid to early YouTube. Uh, oh yeah, era absolutely. stuff. Yeah, no that 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 that's a great quote, and, and that's and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Where he's just like he's just sickly hilarious all the time. Yes, yes. I, I got one more quote. I got one more quote. I'm gonna I'm wait. Gonna wait. Off. Do see. you want to save it for like your sign off quote? Because I usually I usually ask people to sign off. Right, with yeah, a quote. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm just I'm just trying to no, I'm just no. trying to make sure you got you got one. For one. <laughs> Are you right? I gotta save it. I gotta save it. Okay, okay, for sure. Um, yeah. Any any just like parting thoughts on the movie in general? Um, I will say that this is this honestly this movie. The reason it became one of my I mean it shot from like it was in my top 100 and it shot into my top five. And the reason is because if you look at my top five, there well maybe not my top five, but like my top ten. There's so many movies that are like these fast paced anxiety filled films like, you know, uncut gems and to a little bit of a lesser extent, but no country for old men. It's not fast paced, but there's anxiety everywhere. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I just, <laughs> I love that. I love being on the edge of my seat the entire time. It's just, uh, it's, and this, this movie did it better than like so many other movies in recent memory. So I was, I'm so glad I revisited it. It's awesome. I totally. love it so much. Well, I mean, yeah, this was, <laughs> quite a rewatch for me i i just bumped it up from like a nine to a ten like yes it's yes. it's uh, <laughs> it's spectacular like like la land stated nine for me i still think that movie's like exceptional but this this movie like mm -hmm. really so this really is your favorite chazelle so far yeah it's my favorite okay, chazelle good. mine too i'm yeah, excited yeah. for babylon though that'll be fun i am too I it like it looks good it does look old good. hollywood stuff um i'm sad emma stone's not in it but you know emma stone's having her baby Oh yeah, that's good for her, man. Good for her. I'm, I'm so happy, happy for her. her. Yeah, it's good for her. He's gonna be a great mom. I'm, I'm sure. I'm oh, absolutely, her. absolutely. Okay. Well, anyways, America's mom. America's mom. America's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats to Emma Stone. Yes. I also love Whiplash. Um, two unrelated things. Um, I usually have my guests sign off by doing a quote in character. I, I, I asked you if you wanted to save your earlier quote yes. for this one. Um, what what quote have you chosen to my to sign favorite off? insult of J.K. Simmons? Ready? Yeah, yeah. Parker, that is not your boyfriend's dick. Do not come early. <laughs> I was dying at that one. Oh my god. Oh my god, that was so. It was so out of nowhere. Literally left field. I loved it. Ugh. So out of nowhere. Okay. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Well, this has been a pleasure, dude. We'll have to do it again. Yes, yes. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag and I will see you next week.